The Velvet Hammer, an inside look at trial lawyer life with Karen Kohler. Real life stories about fighting the good fight. It's no secret that drunk drivers, high drivers, drivers under the influence make me mad, make me sick, make me ill. All of the above. I'm going to tell you some stories to illustrate why. Back in 1990, when I was working for Tom Chambers, we had a case, and these were the facts. A group of kids, high schoolers, I believe, were partying at one of their parents' cabins on a lake or in a lake area. They ran out of booze, and so a couple of them drove off to the nearby convenience store and managed to procure it, despite being radically underage. They drove the booze back to the house, consumed it, and one of the youth was so heavily intoxicated that even the other intoxicated, but not quite so intoxicated kids, knew that he shouldn't be driving. So they took his keys. So he passed out, woke up at about, I don't know, 5 a.m., the keys were pretty close to him. He, they weren't hidden from him. They had just taken his keys. And uh, so he took the keys, got in his vehicle, and started traveling down the highway back home. He was still heavily intoxicated. Coming the other direction in a VW band, you know the really cute VW vans from like the 60s. They're rounded in the front, just adorable. They're like big, giant love bugs. A pastor and his wife were in that darling little vehicle that was about as unsafe of a van as you could be in because there was no engine in the front. There was nothing providing any type of crashworthiness in the front of that vehicle. And barreling towards them was the drunk kid. Now, I have this theory. You're on a road. You pull all the way over. Why does a drunk kid still come at you? And I think it's because maybe the light, they think the lights are saying, come here, instead of, hey, I'm a car. Get away. And so the drunk kid crosses the center line and hits that cute VW van, killing the pastor instantly and then crushing into the front so that it wrapped literally around the legs of the wife. Just metal, gruesome leg injuries as she survives. What a horrible case. 
Another case that I will always remember is three friends on a Friday night watching like Cats and Dogs, the cartoon movie at their mom's house, okay? Not drinking, having a good time, being kids, and they decide to go to the convenience store for Cokes and Skittles and bag of Doritos, basically. It's close, so they, a couple of them walk, one of them is on a bicycle, and they walk to the convenience store. Meanwhile, two total jerks have been smoking, pot, getting high all afternoon, drinking, and then they go to a bar and they continue to drink to the point where, I mean, they are so under the influence and they're still getting served. Hello, surveillance tape. One of them kind of gets in an altercation. They leave, they get into their car, beater, and they're sitting there for a while and they decide they are hungry. They got the munchies. So they drive and they hit a Wendy's. No, it was a Jack in the Box. And as they're going through the Jack in the Box, the Jack in the Box guy later will say they were obviously high. Their eyes were so red and small and, you know, they got their order and left. They ate it in the parking lot and then took off down the street. Eyewitnesses say that they were weaving out and in and out and going too fast, obviously. There's no sidewalks in small town, rural America. So they uh, are going and you see things flying in the air and they stop and then take off. This is according to the witnesses. Well, what happened was these total, I can't say the word, it's a bad word. It starts with an A and ends with an S. As they, they've hit kids. And then they see it and they, they take off. The police eventually come and because uh, they take off. The car is disabled because it hit three of them. And so one of the tires is cockeyed. And they take off and they're running and the, and the police are running to try and catch them down. Meanwhile, two of the children survive and one of them dies. Do you know what it's like to meet the single father of a teenage son who has stayed out of trouble as a decent kid? was watching cats and dogs on a Friday night and wanted some Skittles for them to come into your office. To address what happened. Or the man who'd lived a longer life than these kids who's driving, minding his own business, when a truck, a box truck, 
drives over him. His car goes pretty much underneath it. Somehow he survives. I actually get to try that case. You know, they never, almost never let you try a drunk driver case. And there's a good reason why. I get to try that case. And you know what the defendant says he did? The driver of his work vehicle? Well, every morning to get ready for work, he'd smoke a bowl. Well, that's awesome. I saw this way, way back in my career when I was a defense lawyer. I've talked about it before. But the case of the Metro driver who was an alcoholic and struck a disabled person and dragged him all over Seattle before the police finally got him to stop who was still more than double the limit from having gotten drunk the night before. It's agonizing to handle these cases. There's so many, I can't even tell you how many there are. But I do want to tell you about four that I'm handling right now. What's amazing about these cases is how delayed the criminal system is. Let me start off by talking to you about the last case that I just resolved. A father, his son, his daughter, and their fiance were walking down Aurora Avenue when a woman out of her mind, high, driving a rental vehicle, decided to go as fast as they could and get in a wreck. We still don't know to this day if she was aiming at those pedestrians. Her vehicle crashed into the pole next to them, parts flying, instantly killing the daughter, killing her brother eventually later that day, critically wounding the father and injuring in some ways, primarily emotionally, her fiancé in a profound way. So profound that I still, to this day, can't get my head wrapped around, around it. Imagine the dad whose spouse had died the year before from breast cancer with his two children and fiancé and on Thanksgiving, day after Thanksgiving, celebration type of a day. And he is there when his children are killed in front of him by a drunk driver. It takes literally years before the sentence is finalized. And that's fast compared to the stories I'm going to tell you about now. In the next case, the plaintiff, and this is these are four cases that are currently going on. The plaintiff is on Lake Washington Boulevard, which has been 
supposedly closed off by the city of Seattle during COVID times as part of its Keep Moving Seattle campaign. They don't do a very good job of closing it off, however. And a drunk driver driving daddy's car enters the roadway and from behind comes upon the plaintiff who's running, I think practicing for a triathlon and his two friends on bikes next to him and takes out the plaintiff who survives somehow. You know, when you're hit as a pedestrian by a drunk driver, what normally happens is they don't take any evasive actions. They're, they, they, they don't take evasive actions. And uh, you go up in the air for f- many, many feet and land in a tangled mass of bones and blood and the things that hold all that together. The plaintiff doesn't die. Now, it used to take weeks to get blood toxicology results back. Then it started taking months. Right now, unless the plaintiff has died, it takes over a year and a half to get toxicology. What does this mean? This means that the prosecutor won't charge the person that committed the act because once they charge them, they're entitled to a speedy trial. And if they don't have the evidence of the intoxication, they're going to lose the prosecution. So they have to wait for toxicology to come in. Meanwhile, that person is free to drive. That menace to society is out there, unchecked. The families of the people that are killed or maimed by these drunk drivers have to just sit there as the years tick on, waiting for something to happen, for those talks results to come in and for the, for the trial to be had. That, this case happened almost three years ago, and the guy was just charged last month. Let me repeat. Three years ago, and the guy was just charged last month because the plaintiff lived, so they didn't expedite it. Or let's take the case of the three guys, two in high school, one just graduated. They wanted to go up into the mountains, which there are wonderful mountains over here, and go to their aunt's cabin and play. They, had, they were going to have sausages over a fire and then go home. But the Jeep got stuck, so they, spend, they had to spend the night. Their dad came. They got unstuck the next morning. They get some pizza. They're driving home. These kids, I mean, you can't get more wholesome than that. Guess what's coming down the freeway, the other direction? That's right. A drunk driver, a drunk 50-year-old driver driving his company's truck. He decides it's a good idea to pass a bus in a no-passing zone. 
and the bus sees what's going to happen and tries to pull over and stop and the truck doesn't pull over back into the lane. Nope, nope, nope. It just keeps going straight towards those kids and takes them out. When you are going 50 and the other guy is going 70 or 80 or however much they are, the impact isn't at 80 miles an hour or 50 miles an hour. You add them together. The impact is at 100 and as I do that, do I do that right? 50 and 130 miles an hour. It's a terrible impact. The boys don't die. Even though there's a fire and one of them is trapped inside. Do you know what happens when a person is trapped inside a burning car and cannot be extracted in time? What do you think happens to that person? The charges are semi-expedited. Instead of taking a year and a half We're told it'll take seven months, maybe, hopefully, seven months. The guy's out on the street driving around, no restrictions on the license. The calls never stop. I'm not going to even tell you about the other ones. They're all horrible. High school seniors celebrating one, a friend's birthday. A protester. And you know what's ironic about all of this? The drunk driver never dies. They walk away. There's one case I have right now. He took out and killed two high school students. He's still in the hospital. Supposedly, they're expediting his report, too. He is an aberration. The drunk drivers walk away. I have no patience for drunk drivers. If you could see what I've seen, if you could hear what I've heard, if you could see the pain, the destruction, the permanent horror that results to innocent children, friends, families, when someone drinks and drives and drives into them, you would realize that we do not have enough way to hold those people responsible. Don't drink and drive. Don't be an ass. Over and out.